Welcome, everyone, to the premiere episode of the Stupid Sexy Podcast. Stupid Sexy Podcast. (laughs) We are going to review every Simpsons ever. I am your host, Chris O'Mealy, joined alongside my podcasting co-host from Club Cafe Wrestle Talk. He is the master of the CKCC online Twitch streams, which you can catch at twitch.tv slash CKCC online. Or is it twitch.com? I always forget. It's TV. Is it TV? Twitch.tv. His name is Dan Peck. Ever see a man say goodbye to a shoe? Oh, it's going to be a while before we get to that episode. So we know why you're here, right? You're here because you are a Simpsons fan. You're or you- a fan of us. Oh my goodness, someone could be a fan of us. That is possible. Or perhaps you're here because you just really like me and Dan. And you're like, I like listening to those guys talk about stuff. But this is a Simpsons review podcast. There have been many of them out there. So the only reason why you should listen to this one is because of us. This one is ours. This is ours. This is my podcast. It's our precious little boy. My podcast, yes. We are going to kick things off by reviewing the first ever episode of The Simpsons, which wasn't technically supposed to be the first ever episode of The Simpsons. Well, but... The whole first season's all out of order. Yes, but <laughs> it ended up being the first episode, and we are going to review the only episode of The Simpsons, discounting the Tracy Ullman shorts, to ever air in the 1980s. Because by the time we got to Bart the Genius, it was 1990. I wonder if the, like, Disney Plus can get a hold of the Almond shorts. I feel like there's probably some kind of copyright there because they haven't even been released on DVD. I don't even think Almond Show has been released. I don't think it has either. I'm sure there's Thankfully, something. I'm old enough to actually remember the Tracy Almond Show and to remember specific... Simpsons shorts, like "Stop Slurping Your Soup." The one I always remembered was the one where Bart steals the cookies, and then they just discover him really fat in his bedroom because he ate all the cookies. And when they're trying to figure out, he's who, instantly fat. <laughs> when they're trying to figure out how it happened, Maggie distorts her face to look like Bart, and I always got a kick out of that. <laughs> Uh, So, we're not going to go into, like, a whole history of The Simpsons, but it did start out as an animated short on the Tracy Ullman show. That's where we were officially introduced to the family itself, Homer, Marge, Bart, Lisa, and Maggie. And a couple of other characters, including Grandpa, Krusty, and Itchy and Scratchy, also debuted as Tracy Ullman short characters. But we're going to talk about when they debut on the actual show itself as we review each and every episode. We're going to give you a detailed breakdown. We're going to talk about trivia from the episodes and goofs and other stuff. And including stuff we just noticed upon rewatch, which there were a few things when I was taking notes watching this episode that I've never noticed until right now. And I think that's really funny. Well, this, is, this episode's kind of heavy in group shots because there's... Multiple classroom things, and then there's the whole... The beginning is the pageant, right? Right. So I guess you can find a lot of characters that come up later in those group shots. You can. Or you might notice that a lot of those characters aren't actually characters at all. And we never were. And that's another thing we'll talk about. 
So the official first episode of The Simpsons is, in fact, Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire. It is the Christmas special. It aired on December 17th, 1989. However, it's it was... my father's birthday. Is it now? December 17th. And your birthday's <laughs> yeah. the 15th. His ni- yeah, his 19 years, 363 days older than me. That's crazy. It's 19, so almost exactly 20 years difference. Almost exactly 20 years, yeah. <laughs> that is pretty crazy. Yes, uh, Dan was, for, for people who don't listen to Club Kayfabe, Wrestle Talk, or any of our other shows, Dan is a December 15th baby. If you, if you are a, a Wrestle Talk follower, you already know that, because every time we get to mid-December, we do a game based on Dan's birthday. Every time. Well, you got all the Simpson or the uh, the Star Wars episodes for the new trilogy. They were all December's. Yeah, one of them was even directly on my birthday. Just one though. Episode eight was my, on my actual birthday. I think I remember that. Yeah, we talk. I think I remember us talking about that. So yes, yeah, so happy birthday to Mister Peck as the Simpsons airs on his birthday this episode was written eighth which is why the debuting santa's little helper does not appear in subsequent season one episodes and we'll talk about that when we do trivia for those episodes as well i wonder if they were supposed to come in at september like normal and then this would have fallen around now but something happened uh yes as a matter of fact you are correct dan something did happen the original episode that was supposed to air was the um the final episode of season one, which was some enchanted evening. There was an issue with the animation cells and all this other production stuff. It was supposed to air in October. By the time they realized it was ready to go to air, it was December. And they're like, well, we wrote a Christmas episode, so we might as well just air that one now. Yeah. I just figured it had to have been that. It pretty much had to. Yeah. Some Enchanted Evening ends up being the final episode of the first season, which is why there's a distinctive animation difference in that one versus the rest of the season. It's a little more horribly animated, you could say, trying to be nice about it. But yeah, there was definitely production issues there. That's also why in that episode, when the kids are taken hostage, Santa's little helper is not there to save the day because he didn't exist yet. Again. We will definitely be talking about that stuff as we get into trivia for those episodes. But let's break down Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire. The episode begins with the Springfield Elementary School's Christmas pageant. Homer and Marge... No no opening. Just straight straight to content. Which would have been a factor if the episodes aired in order because some Enchanted Evening's couch gag is not a couch gag. They just run and sit on the couch. There's no gag because it was supposed to be first. The gag is that there was no gag. Exactly. So, one thing I always got a kick out of, they're running late, so Homer basically crashes the car into a snowbank, and they're so late that they leave the doors open when they walk in. (laughs) That's how late they were, that they crashed into a snowbank, making their own parking space, and left the doors of their car open to get inside. Now that is running late to your kid's pageant. One thing to note about early Simpsons episodes, and this is actually true for a lot of shows with uh, with animation casts, with a lot of characters. Uh, I've noticed this in Family Guy and in South Park. First episodes, when there's big crowd shots, are always random characters, because they hadn't developed enough characters yet to fill the spots. So, 
you know, Homer's constantly talking to people like as they're they're trying to find their seats, you know. Oh, hey Norman, hey Fred. Yeah, I guess you got dragged here too. Who the hell's Norman and Fred? Well, they literally do not exist past this episode. Because again, they're just making stuff up. Same thing with the uh, the kids in the pageant. You'll notice there's a lot of just randomly drawn children that as they start to establish more kid characters, a lot of those kids basically disappear. And the classrooms are definitely smaller because the entire fourth grade is three rows of three rows of kids, and there's definitely not that many kids in that fourth grade class. It is weird because it's like because those one one of the things I noticed right is they're like this is the entire second grade, this is the entire fourth grade, and it's one classroom worth of kids. Right, but then as you pointed out, they have a mall in the town. <laughs> That's freaking huge. Humongous parking lot, yeah. Plus, Springfield's established to be a pretty decent-sized city, so either there's... It's big enough for a minor league baseball team, and AAA on top of that. So either there are a lot of multiple grades and a lot of multiple classes, as would be the norm with any school, or... Oh, because it's the entire fourth grade singing Jingle Bells. (laughs) Then there must just be a lot of other schools. It must be so big that there's so many schools. Well, we we know that uh, Springfield High School may not have an oil rig, but it definitely has an air hockey table. We learned that in a future episode. So the official title of the episode is Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire, but at the beginning they just call it the Simpsons Christmas Special, kind of like how they would call it the Simpsons Halloween Special instead of the official title, which is Treehouse of Horror. So that's something to note. And I guess Dave Meltzer writes for the Springfield Shopper because the pageant already has a star rating. Three and a half stars. Yeah. Rate those kids. Now, how are they if, How are they rating this? Does that mean the pageant's already happened once or twice and these parents didn't attend? <laughs> I don't understand how that's possible. Or did they do, like, a special showing for just Meltzer? Oh, no. I mean, it's elementary school, so it means it was probably a one-time show. I know in college we did a uh, a Christmas show, and we did that show, like, six times. When I was in fourth grade, we did the uh, we were all required to do the choir, and we all did the Christmas Carol choir. Mm-hmm. And one, one thing I definitely remember is there was a song we sang where we said the word stupid, and... One or two mothers complained about their ki- their fourth grade age kid saying the word stupid because we don't say that word in our house. So, yeah, just there's a good society commentary Girl right in now. Jersey, dude. You, they said you said we said way worse. <laughs> we said way worse. Worse things every two sentences. We said way worse. Yeah, but it was also sub. It was also rural Jersey, so I guess it's more like the suburban attitude out there. I don't know. That's just something I definitely remember from my one and only shot in choir. Because trust me, you don't want to hear me sing. Especially these days. For, until through sixth grade, I think. And then I even did a little bit in college. I would have probably done it more if I was a decent singer, but I never was, so. Well, I mean... <laughs> Choir is, like, different than, like, regular singing. At least for me, at least. So... Uh, I'm a a matcher when it comes to singing. Nice. 
I try. I match those around me. So. Yeah, I try to do that too. Choir is choir is good for me. Because you're not fully on display. Your singing ability. So we have the uh, the second grades doing the presentation of different Santa Clauses from around the world. And did you notice that the Japanese Santa Claus character, Hotoi Osho, was Ralph Wiggum? Unidentified as Ralph Wiggum, no voice established, but that's definitely Ralph Wiggum's character design. So there's something to notice. Also, apparently, the music teacher, Mr. Largo, gets to introduce stuff just like the principal does, specifically for Lisa. As she plays Tawanga, the Santa Claus of the South Seas, which is basically a basically a tiki torch island dance with a giant oversized island mask. But uh, uh, she's apparently completely naked. That was always a huge complaint. So when the DVD came out, they had to clarify that no, she was wearing a bodysuit. Just happened to be yellow because that's what it is really wearing. odd. Because especially because the grass skirt is just lines and there's just yellow underneath. The uh, you've seen some eight year olds, junk. yeah. We don't want to see that. I mean, that's <laughs> something that nobody wants to see in 2020, especially not 1989. So, but uh, good on Lisa for being able to perform such an elaborate routine and not burning the set down. So let's give her props for that. Of course, uh, the fourth grade is going to sing more Christmas carols. And You're going to sing a holiday melody <clears throat> medley. Medley. Oh, yeah. Skinner is constantly screwing up as he's introducing everything. Because like, as the principal, this is shit he got handed five minutes before the event. Exactly. <laughs> Which is anybody who went to elementary school can relate to that because we all know that's exactly how it was. Uh, I did try to scan the crowd of kids to see who was recognizable, and a couple of the children designs do make it past. Millhouse is probably the only one that actually keeps the design because there's you know there's no Nelson. I think the twins were technically there, but they weren't established yet, so I'm not counting those as character introductions. No Sherry and Terry. Well, we'll get when we get to like character introductions with each episode. Sherry and Terry are officially introduced in the third episode and they are not fun characters of course they're singing jingle bells so bart does the very popular jingle bells batman smells routine that we all sang when we were kids except for slightly different than the version i ever sang (laughs) i didn't know there were different versions he sang the exact one i always sang what was yours uh Jingle Bells, Batman Smells, Robin laid an egg, Batmobile lost a wheel, and Joker got away. That's what he sings. Uh, there might be different versions, though, that I'm not even Oh, there's aware tons of. of different versions. There's, like, Commissioner Broke His Leg. There's... It's really weird. That is pretty crazy. There's, like, just the little differences with the word switch here and there, which I think it was in my case. Well, I also feel like uh, there would be a lot of people who would make the lyrics as inappropriate as possible. Because fourth grade was around that, well, it was earlier, I think it was third grade was around that time we all decided to be cool and use curse words and giggle about it. So, of course, by fourth grade, we were probably trying to be more inappropriate. 
Uh, got me reminiscent on elementary school right now. Uh, it doesn't matter because Bart's lyrics don't get very far. Skinner rips him right out of the right out of the lineup. And then as the fifth In a choir of like 30 kids, you're not going to. Well, somebody heard it. One kid is extremely louder or whatever. And then, of course, as they introduce the uh, the fifth grade to do a piece from the Charles Dickens play, which Skinner's also flubbing. Homer just gets Homer's had enough by this point. How many grades does this school have? Elementary school, usually K through five. Yeah, five was actually considered middle school where I grew up. It was kindergarten, and then the elementary school was one through four. And then they changed it, and the kindergarten and first grade were all in the same school. And then second, third, and fourth grade, you went to a different school. Jeez, that's way too much moving around. The town got too big, so they had to... You know what the worst part was? They made the change when I was in third grade. That that was going to be the school that would turn into the first, <laughs> the the, uh, the kindergarten and first grade. So I actually moved schools in third grade for fourth grade, and then I moved schools again for fifth and sixth grade, only to move schools again for seventh and eighth grade. There were a lot of schools, and the only other and this the only other school in town that I I had to go to for CCD. So I technically went to every school at some point in the town, and there were lots of them. Lots of schools. My district was massive. It was like the second largest district in the state of New York. So Yeah. Oh, but, but the good news was, for high school, they didn't have that problem. They just built a giant expansion on the high school. They didn't split the high school, too. Literally had expansion construction my first and second year at high school. It's a way to do it, I guess. So, uh, Marge is now writing a letter to the family and explaining the sadness and gladness. Uh, I don't recall Snowball being in the Tracy Ullman shorts, so I don't know if they just made that up or what they did, but they bought a new little kitty, Snowball, too. Grandpa's living in the house. Lisa got straight A's. And they love Bart. And Homer sends his love as he starts yelling at Marge about the extension cord. But it's okay. Homer's just a big kid. And he loves Especially Christmas. When it comes to Christmas. Yeah. Oh, I love he pulls out the, uh, the Griswold-style knot on the extension cord. Yeah, I think we all had that problem. You don't put your cords away properly. This always happens. If you Even just when you put them away properly, <laughs> yeah. it actually happens. You just throw It'll them in a box. A... They'll they'll get you at some point. So now it's time for the kids to present their Christmas lists. And what does Lisa want? Apparently, Pony. apparently Pony. six ponies. Pony. Pony. I, I also love. Marge just being like, Santa can't fit a pony in his sleigh. Can't you take a hint? <laughs> There's one fat guy that gets us our presents. His name ain't Santa. Yeah, well, that's a, yeah, because I wasn't, I was, I was no longer a Santa believer by the fourth grade for sure. I can't remember second grade or not. I don't remember the exact grade, but I do remember when I learned Santa wasn't real. One of my friends, big sister, decided to break the news to me. And for some reason, I wasn't surprised. I was it like... Was, for me, it wasn't like a 
a, a great revelation in a moment or whatever. It was just a yeah, sure, why? Yeah, of course. Actually, it made sense why my parents couldn't always get me everything I wanted for Christmas. It's actually why it made sense. When, like, they would try to get you the hot toy and they couldn't get it, so Santa wrote you a letter basically saying, yeah, Santa can't Santa can't deliver on this. But maybe Bart's a little more sensible with his list. No. Yeah, he wants a tattoo. He wants a tattoo. Well, if you're going to want one, you're going to have to pay for it out of your own allowance. <laughs> cool. Cool. Phone rings, and it's Patty on the other end. Can I speak to Marge? Who's calling? Marge, please. Marge, please. This is her sister, isn't it? Marge there. Speak to Marge. <laughs> Patty and Selma are unnecessarily cruel to Homer, but you can also tell the feeling is mutual, so I guess I can't. Well, when we no, get he's to... just like, oh, like he's not like outwardly cruel to them, you know? Yeah, but they're like, uh, they're definitely not fans. Sister-in-laws, god damn it! They're not and fans they're... of him, though. Uh, Selma and I couldn't be more excited to see our little sister on Christmas Eve as Homer sticks his finger down his throat. But <laughs> so after Homer falls off the roof, Clark Griswold style, putting up the. Finishing touches on the Christmas lights. It's time for the big reveal. Mm-hmm. Yep, four lights and one goes out immediately. Uh, well, at least you tried, Dad. Unfortunately, Homer's neighbor Ned Flanders is also lighting his lights at the same time. Uh, you think this looks okay? And it's of course a fantastic Christmas display. He's got the mecha- so it lights up the neighborhood. <laughs> yep, he's got the mechanical Santa going ho 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 and. Oh. He's got the, oh. all the moving racing lights. So, oh, that's so, uh... So, we we can see Homer's trying. That's the theme happening right now. Homer's trying, but he's not having a lot of luck. Seems to be the theme for his life. Yeah. <laughs> he tries and actually loves his family, but he fails 90% of the time. So, I have a, I have a question about Marge's hiding place for the Christmas money. Mm-hmm. What else is in that hair? Anything they need. <laughs> Anything they need. It's a MacGuffin. It's a built-in ex machina. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. She just pulls a jar of cold hard cash out of her hair. Like on the Harley Quinn when they're like, "Man, we need some kind of Deus ex machina," and then and then the freaking uh, I think it's the Legion of Doom episode and the the uh, thing breaks and he's like, "Well, I don't know about." You're mocking a guy, but that sure helped us. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love when shows do jokes like that. We'll have to review that Harley Quinn show as a podcast because it's freaking excellent. Um, I also want to admire Marge for openly walking around the mall with a jar of cash in her hand and not having any problems, especially during Christmas shopping season. So... Springfield should have put it back in her hair. She's more worried about her husband than she is about the public. Pretty much, yeah. I always wondered why Homer didn't go to the mall with Marge, but I guess uh, he still. I guess the kids were already on break because he still goes to work at the time. But uh, we have to talk very quickly about uh, Bart going to get his tattoo because he just gets away. 
And... As kids do. Yep. So, do you know who the tattoo artist is? It's Mervyn Monroe, the younger brother of Marvin Monroe, the psychiatrist. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yep, that's actually the uh, who the character is. When I watched it, I was like, that guy has a striking resemblance to comic book guy, and I thought it was just a... Uh, I thought it was just a character design that they reused, but nope, there's actually... There's actually something there. Bart goes to get a mother tattoo, thinking... Oh, Marge is going to love this. It makes you look so dangerous. But, nope. He gets moth. He gets as far as moth. By the way, I don't know any tattoo artists that would have already colored in the heart first, but... Eh, credit where credit's due. By the way, it's awfully convenient that the doctor is right next to the tattoo shop in the mall. Did you notice that? A crazy mall. Well, <laughs> this must be a common problem there. Dr. Zitowski's Dermatology Clinic. And as far as I know, this is the only time Dr. Zitowski makes an appearance. I think he's made... uh, Yeah, he might have made some other appearances, but this is like his only real character appearance. So, again, two characters that are kind of sort of there, but not established enough to ever really mean anything so but don't worry son we can remove that tattoo with lasers how that works the it like breaks it up and puts it into your body and then you shit it out yes i have heard that yes which is insane so (laughs) it puts it like into your digestive tract or whatever somehow yeah dark poop i would did not want to i don't think i'd want to poop out a tattoo but (laughs) apparently that's something that's happened so Homer of course is diligently doing his job (laughs) not at all because one of them goes to danger and then the other one's out (laughs) all the monitors and I like as soon as Mr. Burns or Smithers comes on the the loudspeaker and says please continue working everybody stops for a donut break even the guy in the radiation suit who's chewing the donut under his suit just so Mr. Burns can say that, uh, yep, we uh, we were able to prevent any type of cutbacks for management. But for all you semi-skilled laborers, there will be no Christmas bonus this year. As, as Homer says, thank God for the jar of money. Well, at the same time, Bart's getting the tattoo removed. And Marge says, thank God for Homer's bonus. Because they do the removal. Bart's at home with the Band-Aid. The kids are poking it like jerks. Homer pokes it like a jerk. Ow. and Stop it. Quit and, it. <laughs> and then comes the big reveal. Marge had to spend all the money to get it removed. And now Christmas is canceled. Marge is like, but Just no, like you... Clark Griswold. He's not getting the bonus. Oh, but you still have your bonus. Ah! Um, poor Homer. He goes outside and he looks at his house versus Flanders' house and just has like that sad moment in the snow. He's trying so hard. So easy to feel sympathy for Homer here. Unfortunately, he does the the boneheaded thing by not coming clean to try to be to try to be smooth about this and decides, oh, "I'm going to do the Christmas shopping this year." I also love the cartoon trope that when the lights go out, you can still see his eyes and his smile. Some cartoon tropes never go out of style. 
So where does where does Homer go shopping? Circus of Values, where everything's five dollars and under. Oh, Homer. He gets Marge in a luring pantyhose pack, a six pack. He gets Bart pads of paper, and he buys a chew toy for Maggie. I always wondered why he rips the package open, though. Is that to try to get, like, a discount on it, or? I have no idea. But when he walks outside, he runs into Ned Flanders again, and Flanders drops all of his packages. And he's just like, well, which ones are yours and which ones are mine? Of course, all Homer has is the one bag. Poor guy. And Todd's like, yeah, it's going to be the best Christmas ever, Dad. Simpson, you dropped your pork chop. <laughs> Homer sheds a little tear and goes to Moe's Tavern. By the way, Moe's wearing pink and his hair is black because early character design, season one. So all the black people were purple at this point, so... Yep. And uh, Barney is actually a blonde. He becomes brown-haired in later episodes, and they decided only the Simpsons characters would be the blondes in the show. They make a couple of exceptions elsewhere. When they actually have a blonde, they make the hair color a different shade of yellow. But in Barney's case, it's all yellow. Also, did you notice that Moe's got those Western-style swinging doors in the tavern where the normal normal entrance would be? So again, another early design for Moe's. So yeah, and... Mo isn't depressed at Christmas like he is in all the all the newer episodes. Not today, old friend. <laughs> Gives Homer a candy cane, and Barney comes in all excited that he's got a uh, part-time job as a Santa Claus. And it's like, oh yeah, sure, there, you can do that, Homer. I mean, they are pretty selective, as he burps. So it's time for Homer to apply. And that's going to be a Homer Saves Christmas by getting a part-time job as a mall Santa. They also use the uh, the hypnotist character as the Santa trainer. Yes. But I did a good job. So. Now, Homer arrives home from work seven hours late, and Marge doesn't seem Which to should care. should be one in the morning. <laughs> and Marge doesn't care. If he works at a freaking power plant, that's a nine to five job. Yeah. Seven hours late, one in the morning. <laughs> why are the kids so happy to see me? Oh, that's why. Hello, Patty. Hello, Selma. Well, you wouldn't know it's Christmas in this house because there's no tree. Even though they got decorations up, they're just being mean at this point. So Homer goes out to get the family a tree. Well, $75 are too much, $60 are too much, slightly irregular Dr. Seuss-designed trees, 45 that's too much, so Homer trespasses and cuts down a tree on private property. That's the runaway. By the way, kudos to Homer for escaping with a whole Christmas tree from a guy with a shotgun and two hunting dogs. Oh. <laughs> I gotta give him credit for that. I don't think anybody else could have pulled that off. <laughs> but... Well, he pulls it off. And now he got a nice tree in the house, even though there's a birdhouse in it. Well, that's an ornament. Uh, do I smell gunpowder? So now, Homer's completed his class. Um, he gets some interesting training, which is probably real training for Santas. Like, if you find out you're not the real Santa, 
or uh, and of course memorizing all of the the reindeer, which he does a decent job with. Nixon. Well, Nixon, and then Donna Dixon. Dixon. So it's Christmas Eve. Homer's at the mall, and he's talking to all the kids, and of course he's trying to tell the kid that he doesn't need any crap because he's got a loving father, and then eats his donut because he couldn't afford lunch. So there's Bart with Milhouse and Lewis. Get a load of that quote-unquote Santa. I dare you to sit on his lap. Yeah, well, I dare you to pull off his beard. Ah, touche. And Lewis turns from black to white in this scene. Something uh, that's the one thing I never noticed until I was paying attention. When they first cut, Lewis is normally black. When it cuts back after Milhouse makes the dare and Bart goes, ah, touche, Lewis is a white kid. <laughs> so. Bart goes to sit on Santa's lap, pulls the beard off, reveals it's Homer, and then Homer reveals. Bart to... Simpson, who the hell are you? <laughs> I'm jolly old St. Nick. And Homer reveals, yeah, Bartner, a little partner. Good old Bartner. Uh, But yeah, he says, man, you must really love us to sing so low. (laughs) My favorite part, my favorite joke is when he comes back. Hey, kids, Santa's back. Ho, ho. And then he hits his head. And just curses under his breath while the, the mall parents look unhorrified. Oh, poor Homer. But he did a job well done, and now it's payday time. Time to pick up his check. Your boys are going to see one of the greatest things in life. <laughs> but he only got 13 bucks for 120 gross pay, and everything got yeah, taken he out. He had to pay for his training and for the suit and all the taxes and stuff. Uh, so terrible. But if you think about it, is I feel like 120 bucks for a seasonal job is a huge ripoff, especially for a mall Santa where you got to get abused by children. So I, it I, seems I, like he only worked the one day. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem like that, yeah. The one day. But yeah, All, that's a jip to end up with like just over 10% of what you were supposed to get. Although that's even worse that, uh, the poor guy gets paid. All these poor Santas get paid Christmas Eve. If they're counting on that for shopping money, what are they supposed to do? Especially hey, if it's... It right away. Well, fortunately, the dog track is open on Christmas Eve. That's where Barney's heading with his 13 bucks. He's going to bet it all on Whirlwind, a dog with 10 to 1 odds. Which actually means Barney won 130 bucks, which is a decent payout for the $13, so... Yep. And Bart says, come on, Dad, miracles happen to poor kids at Christmas all the time. Happened to Tiny Tim, happened to Charlie Brown, it happened to the Smurfs, and it's going to happen to us. And Homer agrees. Who's Tiny Tim? So, of course, they're all watching. It depends what excerpt they did at the the show, at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, it's true. I love that... uh, Back at home, Lisa's watching the Happy Little Elves Christmas special, and it's, like, as extra cheesy as it can be. Like, all those... Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love a lot of the uh, the classic Christmas specials, but you do watch them and you do realize how cheesy they can be. I mean, yeah, you know, we were all entertained by Rudolph and everything, but it's cheesy. It's cheesy goodness, though. So, 
And, but I love Lisa's reaction. Like, she's n- probably never seen it before. Oh, no. And Grandpa's just sighing at everything. Or for Christmas specials with the real problems, like the year without a Santa Claus, where Santa is depressed. Yeah. But <laughs> let's all... uh. Let's all actually admire the fact that uh, Lisa's intelligence comes out in a nice early episode because when Patty trashes Homer, she basically she basically cuts a promo on her yeah. <laughs> about about how your bashing of my one male role model in my house is a direct influence on how I'm going to grow up. And Patty just goffs and goes, "Uh huh, go watch your cartoon, dear." Yeah, Lisa Lisa shows early signs of intelligence here, and that'll be a running theme as we move on and we evolve the Lisa character. But uh, Homer takes one look at Whirlwind and realizes that scrawny little bag of bones is probably not a good bet, but he d- doesn't have a choice. They're all scrawny little bags of bones. But Sir Galahad will be replaced in the fourth race by Santa's little helper, and he says, no, that's a, it's it's a sign, it's an omen. It's a coincidence, Dad. Well, the odds are 99 to 1, and Homer puts everything on Santa's Little Helper. If Santa's Little Helper would have won, that's a fucking lot of money right there. Yeah, well, he says 13 times 99 equals Merry Christmas. And if you pull and we're out... talking like, we're, that's like... I, I did the math. I did the math. <laughs> he would have won $1,287. So he would have won over $1,200 with that one bet. If Santa's Little Helper had won, but... Santa's Little Helper sucks. By the way, um, I like the one the one sleazy family that's there. Can we open our presents now, Dad? Uh, you know the tradition, son, not till the eighth race. <laughs> I love that that's how that one family is spending every single year. Well, of course, Whirlwind wins the race, just like, just like Barney predicted. Did you also notice that uh, D- Dog of War was a blue dog? No, I did not. Well, I mean, you know, they've they've all got their miscolorings, but that dog is decisively blue. It's like a sky blue color. And of course, my dog blue. Well, I don't want to leave till our dog finishes. Ah, forget it. Let's go. They're scouring the parking lot for tickets, and they realize that Santa's little helper's owner is kicking him out because he's lost his last race. He's too much of a loser. And the dog runs into Homer's arms. And Bart convinces Homer to keep him when he gives him a little kiss. He's a loser. He's a Simpson. Less the dog racing owner. And I do believe he does come back. Oh, yeah, he does come back when in Santa's Little Helper episodes. What a jackass. Especially on Christmas Eve to kick your dog out. But, uh. Oh, you know, if it was more realistic, he'd be trying to kill it. Yeah, that's true. So, of okay. course, Homer comes home and tries to make a confession to the family about what a lousy Christmas they were going to have and how he tried to save it, but he saves it anyway because they brought home a dog. And, as Lisa says... For everyone! Yeah. It's a great gift to share our love and frighten prowlers. By the way, there's a there's a, an animation error when Marge is talking to Homer. The background is upside down. You'll not only is the frame with Bart's picture in it upside down, but the lamp is on the ceiling. So they definitely screwed that up. 
But yes. I also always wondered why Lisa asks what the dog's name is instead of being like, what should we name it? Like, it's your dog now. You don't have to name it. You can name it whatever you want. But they chose to keep Santa's little helper. And that is how we end the Simpsons Christmas special with the uh, the still frame photograph, Merry Christmas from the Simpsons, with everybody petting the dog. Grandpa's like super sto- ecstatic about having a dog in the house, and Patty and Selma just stand there stoically looking, barely cracking a smile, like whatever. Probably because they realize Homer saved the day, <laughs> and they're ha- they're really happy, the family's happy, but they don't want to acknowledge the fact that Homer's the hero. Because they hate him. <clears throat> and during the end credit scene, the family sings Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And with that schoolhouse style of adding all the all the extra stuff to it. For different than I grew up with. Yeah, a lot of that stuff is different. I definitely did not say with, like, strip poker for games. You know, it was Mo- Monopoly. It was Monopoly. <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah... I don't think I knew what strip poker was at that age. I don't even think I knew what poker was at that age. But Oh, man. But yes. So uh, that is... Oh, and uh, the first Homer choke of Bart happens at the very end. It's off camera, but it's there. Why are you little? Why are you little? Oh, did you also notice that they never actually bothered to decorate the tree? It was just the blank tree with the birdhouse the whole time? <laughs> I mean, they never had the time, right? They never had the time, yeah. So let's discount the Tracy Ullman shorts for a second and do all of our character introductions in this episode. The family. Homer, Marge, Bart, Lisa, Maggie, all making first appearances. Um, as well as Grandpa. Uh, these are all characters who, of course, appeared on Tracy Ullman cartoons. So, But officially, with this stuff, this is their first appearances. Other characters we are introduced to, of course, Santa's Little Helper, who the episode is based around. Snowball 2, who isn't really much of a character in a lot of episodes, but sometimes is. Bart's best friend, Milhouse, is introduced here. Not really an established character yet for a decent part of the first season. But once Milhouse's character gets fleshed out, he's one of the best kid characters out there. Lewis is introduced. He's never really fleshed out further than this. He's always just kind of... Like, him and Richard are just two of Bart's friends when Bart needs extra friends, but they've never been established as characters. Also, Todd Flanders, no name yet, just son of Ned Flanders. We don't even establish Ned's wife or other son yet. And, of course, Ned is there. He's just the neighbor right now. We haven't figured out that he's uber-religious yet, which will be what's fun about his character. Principal Skinner as just the principal. We'll get his character fleshed out in the next episode. The voice of Waylon Smithers, who, if this had actually aired in order, you would have already seen Smithers, but it's not. Of course, Mr. Burns does make an on-screen appearance, but that's just a quick one. Again, no real Burns establishment yet. And of course, Mo, Barney, and Patty and Selma all make their debuts. And now for... A piece of trivia. Dan, are you ready for a piece of trivia about this episode that's actually pretty cool? Triviate. Triviate me. In the DVD commentary, they actually revealed 
that the creators of the show got letters of praise for heightening the awareness of abandonment of racing dogs, even though they didn't know it was a real problem when they created the episode. Really? Yep. They didn't actually know that that was a problem. They just wrote it in as part of the plot, and then people wrote them and praised them for creating the uh, the awareness. So good on The Simpsons for doing something good for society. Good for you, Simpsons. So that's uh, Simpsons roasting on an open fire. And I think the only other single piece of trivia I have is that Mr. Burns is not voiced by Harry Shearer yet. He's voiced by a voice actor named Christopher Collins. Who was completely uncredited. <coughs> also, uh, Todd Flanders is voiced by Pamela Hayden, who's the same voice as Milhouse. That later becomes a Nancy Cartwright character. So, again, little trivia pieces here. But everybody else, for the most part, is voiced by the characters they're supposed to be voiced by. So, And Hank Azaria's only role in this episode was to be Mo, And Mo does not really have a lot of lines. So, But yes, that was uh, Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire. The only episode in 1989... Because after this, it's all 1990. Overall thoughts on the episode, Dan? Fantastic. It's uh, it's a go-to for me in the Christmas season when I'm st- I'm starting to sit down and pick stuff to watch. And it's I still think this is the go-to Simpsons Christmas episode. There are others, but I think this is still the quintessential Simpsons Christmas episode. It's the best one. It's got heart, story, and even though the animation can be a little a little clunky at times because it's a first season on an animated They went from doing two minute things to a twenty four minute episode. Yeah. I uh yeah, I, I gotta say this is uh this is definitely a good one to watch. If you have not ever seen this episode, definitely check it out. It's uh it's about as classic as it gets when it comes to Christmas. I would, uh, I still will do the annual watch, and I love it. So, to give you guys a preview, our next episode of The Simpsons is Bart the Genius, which is the first official regular episode that ever aired. And because it was going to be the second ever episode of the series anyway, before Some Enchanted Evening happened it can be considered the official series pilot. So we will review that next time on the Stupid Sexy Podcast. And before we close out, I I, I thought about opening the show with this, but we can close it with it. Uh, Dan, do you remember when you first became a Simpsons fan? Oh, wow. Like uh, right before, before the arcade game came out. Nice. I know arcade, it, the arcade game out game came out like relatively soon. Like there wasn't much to work with, and they had to make up a lot of stuff for that game. Yeah, the only real villain was Mr. Burns. I I was a Simpsons fan when I was in kindergarten, so that would have been 1990. So that would have been the first season, maybe even the second season, because my sister was into it, and our parents let us watch it because they were smart enough to realize that. 
even though it's technically an adult cartoon, it's not going to, like, fuck up your your kid's mind or anything. And it didn't. This became the uh, the best show ever. I don't know if you're the right example for that. Well, I, I'm most certainly not the right example for that. I'll tell you. I'll tell you that, too. <laughs> yeah, uh, but Simpsons is uh, still... I will still call this my favorite TV show of all time, animated or otherwise. It'll always be number one, even though there is a quality drop in later episodes. Um, As far as this podcast is concerned, uh, what I'm probably going to do is I'm going to watch episodes. I'm going to take my notes on the episode, and then I'm going to message Dan or anybody who's interested in joining us and say, hey, I'm ready to do this. Let's coordinate a time, and we'll try to... We'll try to pump these out in relatively quick order, um, so it's not just a once-a-week thing, but we'll we'll see what we can do. It's not going to operate on a full schedule. But here's the deal, guys. If there's a Simpsons episode that you're a big fan of and you want to come on and be part of the discussion, you have to let me know, because we're going to go in order. So when we start to get towards that episode, you got to let me know so I can try to make sure you're available for it. And we'll let you guys pick which episodes you want to do. For the most part, it'll always be me, obviously. But Dan is more than likely going to join me on several of these episodes, if not all of them. So be prepared. Let's uh, let's stick with it, y'all. And if you are a fan of The Simpsons and a fan of this podcast, can you please share it so we can get all the listeners on board? That's it, guys. That's it for this episode. Dan, thank you very much for joining me. Have no fear. We've got podcasts for years. Yeah, we do. <laughs> and you can check... So we're doing them one at a time. Yeah. And you can check this show out, as well as all the other great content, on CKCC Radio at Podbean, on all social media platforms, at CKCC Radio. For wrestling fans, their weekly club kayfabe wrestle talk. With me, Dan, and our buddy Glenn discussing all of the happenings in pro wrestling. Jeff Trelowitz has Real Paranormal Talk. Every other week, you'll get to hear a paranormal story from a real paranormal investigator. We also have our new monthly podcast with Adrian Cotton called Motivational Moves. The first Monday of every month, Adrian's going to motivate you guys to have the best month possible. And for music aficionados, J Bunny's Music Hub. We're airing his entire backlog of episodes from 2017 up, the first five already available on CKCC Radio for you guys to check out, where Jason Shin interviews everybody in the music scene that he can get his hands on and talk to, and you've already got five episodes to choose from as we move into the new year. So stick with us in 2020 for this and other great content, and we'll see you guys next time for Bart the Genius here on the Stupid Sexy Podcast.